and welcome along to the Property Academy podcast by Opus Partners. I'm your host, Ian Knight. I'm Andrew Nichol. And today on the show, we've got the ultimate guide to due diligence. Now, this comes from a listener of the show, Ed F. is his name. And he says, hey, Ed, long-time listener of the show, tune in daily while I drive across Christchurch, being meaning to ask if you can go deep on due diligence. Twofold, commercial and residential, though today we're just going to cover residential. We'll do commercial in a future episode. He says, I find this aspect of deals anxiety-inducing because the consequences of getting it wrong generally pop up later on down the track. Now, if I find something does pop up, it ends up being, well, you should have thought about that at the time, and you could have avoided it. Look, I'd love an Andrew slash Ed cheat sheet for due diligence. That'd be a solid guide to follow to see you right most of the time. Thanks, Ed F. Well, look, I've got something better than a cheat sheet for you. I've actually got a whole guide for due diligence for residential property, specifically focusing on new builds, but it can apply to existing as well. And this is about how to set up a property, and it is called the Ultimate Guide to Due Diligence. Now, we initially wrote this for just the investors that we're working with, but you know what? I'll drop a link in the show notes so you can have it for free as well. But Andrew, walk us through what is due diligence? So look, due diligence is that 10 to 15 day window that you get when you sign up for a property to make up your mind if that property is the right one for you. So it's it's basically your period that you're going to do all your checks. So you're going to go through and make sure that everything about this property is going to be right for you as an investment before you go unconditional and then you're committed to buying the property. Yeah. And I suppose what you've got to think about is what do you need to do to satisfy the due diligence condition? And- For most contracts, especially if it's a new build, you will have a due diligence condition. Now that says that you can cancel the contract and walk away from the property if it's not the right fit for you within that period. Now, what you are going to need to satisfy that condition and say, I'm happy to proceed, is going to be different for different people. You know, if it's you, Andrew, how much due diligence do you actually do on a new build property? Oh, for me personally, very little. All I do is probably do the lawyer's check of the contract. I get sue to report back to me and say there's some vulnerabilities here and then I make a judgment call whether or not I want to debate those vulnerabilities and change them or if I'm willing to just let them slide. And to be fair they've already been through a process if you're looking at them from Opus Partners but what I'm trying to point out here is that for some people due diligence can be very light touch and you accept whatever risks there happen to be. Andrew, you're an example of that. There are other people who are much more risk averse and so will do a lot more work. So what we're going to do is go through the nine steps that we would expect within a due diligence period. Andrew, take it away. Okay, so the first is, can I get the finance for my property? And sometimes you also have a finance clause in addition to a due diligence clause, but it can be incorporated in your due diligence. And this is always step number one, because the banks take some time to look at applications. So you need to get onto this first of all. And if you're working with a mortgage broker to get all the information to the bank, you need to make sure that you supply all your information to your broker, all your supporting documents, so bank statements, pay slips, all of that as quickly as possible. Now, if you can't get finance for the property and you need it to buy it, then the deal's off. Now, for a new build where there's maybe a settlement in 12 or 18 months' time, you may not get a formal approval from the bank. So for me personally, I run it past my banker and he says, yeah, it all looks fine and I go unconditional. Now, at the very least, you should be looking for an indication from a mortgage broker that they say, yep, it should work based on your situation right now. 
There are investors who go unconditional even when they don't have finance in place or no real indication from their mortgage broker that they can afford it. Now, just remember, this is a real risk because once you go unconditional and pay your deposit, you're legally obligated to settle that property. Now, I'm going to bundle number two and number three together. The first is, what am I actually buying? And then number three is, what are the risks within the contract? Now, these are both answered for your lawyer. Now, what your lawyer is going to do to answer that first question, what are you actually buying? They're going to look at your limb report and they're going to look at the title. Remember, the title is the legal definition of the property, the limb, the land information memorandum, that's all of the council documentation on the property. Now, what are they looking for? Well, in terms of the council, council documents, they're going to be looking for, is there anything wrong with the building? So is there something on the limb, the council documents that says, hey, it's a leaky building? Is there anything on there that says, maybe there's some unconsented works, they'll be matching this up, see, you know, is there anything somebody's just tacked on that needs consent, but actually hasn't been through council? They'll look at, is there anything wrong with the land? Is the land contaminated? Is there any flood risk to the land? Look, there's not always going to be something to find, but if there is, you want it found. In terms of looking at the legal definition of the property, they'll also be looking at shared driveways. Where are the boundary lines? Is there anything wrong with the flats plan if it's on a cross lease? You want to see, is there anything wrong with the actual product you're buying, the legal product. And so they'll look at the limb, they'll look at the title. And obviously, they'll often look at the body corp rules as well. Maybe some of the previous minutes from the body corp, if it's an existing property, and there is a residence association or body corporate. And they might be looking for things like any future expenditure. Is there currently a maintenance fund? Might the body corp be looking for owners to tip in more funds in the future? This is all important so you can understand what are you actually buying and what are the risks involved with that. And of course, they'll look at your contract, offer you some ideas around that as well. What's number four, Andrew? Number four is, is the building going to fall over? Now, for existing properties, that's pretty easy. You get a building inspection. You want someone who's going to actually get under the house or have the ability to look under the house using maybe a robot or using a camera attached to a pole and potentially do some invasive testing if you've got something that's made of plaster. And we've done previous podcasts with Kyle Brooklyn that you can search on our website where he talks about the things that he would do. And this is to understand what you're buying. It doesn't apply to new builds when you're buying off the plans because it's not built yet. But you still do the same thing when you come to settlement. And again, there are podcasts in our archives where Kyle talks about the inspections he'll do at settlement, even though a council has signed it off. Now, number five is, well, can I tenant a property? So if you don't have a rental appraisal for the property you're looking to purchase, it's time to get one. So if you've been running your cash flows based off just what you think the property might rent for, you need to verify that assumption. Get a property manager in, see what they think it'll rent for so that you have some confidence within your cash flows. The other thing you might like to do is talk to a property manager, you know, and you might ask some things like, who do you think would be the ideal tenant for this sort of property? How realistic do you think this rental assessment is that you've given me? What's your process of finding a tenant when it comes to settlement? So these are the sorts of things. Start talking to a property manager, verify what rent it's going to be if you don't already have a rental assessment. Number six is what's the area like? And this is mainly for new builds being brought off plans, but also applies to existing properties if it's being bought sight unseen. Now, when you do a site visit with a new build, it can be pretty underwhelming sometimes because all you're looking at is a plot of land in most cases. 
And that's why to save investors time and money, generally speaking, if you're working with someone at Opus, we'll often do a video recording and take a video of the street and show the things that are around it. But it can throw up interesting questions like, for example, what's happening with the dirty old tavern in the Coronation Road development? <laughs> Number seven is, well, who's building the property? You've got to start asking this. And this is specifically for a new build because you need the developer not to fall over. Now, what should you be doing if you're buying a new build? Googling the directors, Googling the staff, Googling whoever you happen to be working with to see if they're reputable. I'll tell you, it's quite interesting. There is currently a property consultant, I think they're called, working for quite a large development company. And if you Google their name, what comes up? Oh, they stole $89,000 from ANZ Bank when they were working there in order to fund their gambling addiction. Now, I do believe that sometimes people do bad things and it doesn't necessarily make them bad people. People recover all of that sort of thing. But I would be asking some questions about that. How long ago was that? Is that going to impact their advice? Do I trust this person? Hey, it's going to be different for each person. And does it appear that perhaps, you know, does that mean they're under some financial pressure where they might then put you under pressure if they're going to benefit from that? You know, these are the sorts of things. The other thing is, remember with the case of Peter Shevard, if you Googled his name, hey, it would come up. So I'd be Googling directors, staff, whoever you're working with. Look, if you're working with Opus Partners, Google your property partner's name. Make sure there's not anything dodgy there. Now, I can tell you, we do our backgrounds checks and there isn't, but give yourself that peace of mind. Make sure that they haven't done something dodgy. Also check out New Zealand Legal Information Institute and I'd also be searching the company's office register to see who are the directors of whatever company you're dealing with and then Google those people as well. Because what's the risk if you don't? You could end up buying off somebody who's a bit dodgy, been bankrupt recently, you know, something like that. Number eight and nine, we'll group them together, is how am I going to structure the property and is it insurable? So have a chat to your accountant because it's really important that you consider what entity you might own an investment property in when it comes time to settle. Now, if it is being an off-plans purchase, then you might not have to make that decision for 12 to 18 months, however long it's going to take the build. But if you're settling a property now, then you want to get that advice now. And if you have to set up a company or a trust, or if you're just going to put it in your own name, then you give that advice to your mortgage broker as early on as possible. And have a chat to your insurance broker because you want to make sure that a, the property's insurable, and B, that it's an appropriate rate for you when you actually settle it. So look, by the end of due diligence, you've answered a lot of questions. You know you can get the finance. You know what you're buying because you've talked to your lawyer. You know the risks in your contract, and you know whether the building's going to fall over or not. On top of that, you know, can you get a tenant? What's the area like? Who's building the property? how you'll own the property in terms of structure, is it a trust, is it a look-through company, and whether you can get insurance. And look, if you've answered those nine questions systematically and gone through it, then, hey, you should be ready to confirm by the end of that. And there is a lot to do. That's important to say. And that's why, you know, as part of our process that we introduced this year when we're actually working with investors, we introduced a new system. It's called ClickUp. That's actually got to-do lists for every single investor so they know what they need to do during due diligence. Because I think there is so much, you never got to remember all that. So either, if you're coming through our service, you know that there's a system in place. But otherwise, download that ultimate guide to due diligence. And if producer David reminds me, I'll link that down in the show notes so you can download that. You can use that as your little checklist.
And Andrew, I do think people need to be realistic about due diligence though, right? Absolutely. You've got to remember that investing comes with risks and the perfect investment property is not a perfect property. It's about that balance, about what the things that you're willing to sacrifice and the things that you know, you're not willing to sacrifice on. You're going to see things that aren't perfect with the property. So the building inspection, particularly with an older property, you're probably going to find things wrong with that property. There might be clauses in a contract when it's off plans that are not going to be 100% in your favour and like we said about Coronation Road having that rough old tavern right next door, there might be things that are a little bit dodgy down the road. But are these things that are going to put you off investing? That's up to you to decide. It's about using your due diligence period to do your research, understand what those risks are, and make sure you're comfortable with them and that it's going to pass the sleep test. Fantastic. Let's wrap it up there. But please don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to the Property Academy podcast. Really does help us get the message out to more people. And if it's your time to take the next step of your portfolio, it's time to come in for a portfolio planning session. Hey, easy way to sign up for that. Pull out your phone, send us a text. Our number is 5522. Text us the word plan. We'll be in touch. See if it's the right fit for you. for listening to the Property Academy Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Knight. And we're going to be back again tomorrow with even more daily strategies, tactics and insights to help you get the most out of